Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to Herd Tell. Okay, this is basically like Christmas for this guy. You've seen him frequently. He is our go-to for movie stuff. He is a double board certified critic. He's one of those real deals. He's not just one of those internet guys anymore. Uh, Luis Mendez of the Mendez Movie Report. And of course, we're going to talk about the Oscar nominations, which is Christmas Day for him. How are you, sir? Have you recovered yet? Uh, well, what I'll say about the nominations right off the bat is that they were everything, everywhere, all at once. Very good branding. Yeah, the the sweep almost of just about everything you can get everything look let's just start right there this has got to be the favorite for best picture in all the major awards right now does it not i mean they've got an actor in every award uh obviously the technical way they made this film was pretty creative this has got to be the favorite yeah yeah which uh as someone who's rooting for the movie personally (laughs) makes me nervous because favorites do not have the best record uh in the pre in the preferential ballot era that we've been in for the last decade. It's got the most nominations. I want to say 11 nominations. Uh, It got into some places I really didn't think it was going to get into. Uh, It got into, I want to say, I think costume design. Uh, It got into um, score. But the one that really surprised me was that it got into song. I did not think that that song was going to be in play. So I was very surprised to see it get in there. And then Stephanie Sue, who was on the margins because everybody thought that was going to be just about Jamie Lee Curtis, who, by the way, first time Oscar nominee, which is crazy to me that it's her first time ever. First time ever for Jamie Lee Curtis. And as good as her performances, I thought Stephanie Sue was a lot better. So I'm very happy to to see that she got in. And this movie has gone from being the underdog where people were laughing at people like me who were saying that it could get in back in the spring to now it's got a target on its back because it is the movie to beat. It has hit literally everything a would-be Best Picture winner needs to hit. It's got the most nominations. Um, It makes me a little nervous. Uh, for its chances because of that, but it is undoubtedly our front runner as we head into the actual ceremonies. Yeah, Luis Mendez, our movie guy. Um, let's start with Best Picture because that's always the top line item here. This and the actor stuff. We're going to get into some of the technical ones though because I think there's some really interesting things, especially screenplay. Kind of surprised me a little bit. But Best Pictures, that's that's the big number, right? <laughs> You got all these right on your predictions except for one, and I'm kind of upset that it's the one because it blew up my favorite trope when we talked to you about how Hollywood loves to have movies about Hollywood. The one you missed on, Babylon, was not included in here. Can't be a total shock. I wouldn't call it a snub. There was some dis, you know, discredited opinion about this film, but it did kill one of my favorite tropes every year for the Oscars that Hollywood likes movies about Hollywood. Yeah, well, to be fair, you could almost make an argument that Favelman's kind of fits that bill since it is about sort of Steven Spielberg's personal uh, filmmaking journey. Uh, But, yeah, I I mean, it's not surprising to me. It was honestly kind of a swing for me 
they're trying to predict that it will get in because that movie was so divisive. And it, I mean, I had it at number 10 for a reason because it, it really was on the bubble. The movie that did get in women talking was also on the bubble, but ultimately it was able to get in, which I'm even though I personally like Babylon more than women talking, I am very happy that women talking still got in because it was my number 11 of the year and it avoided what I think would have been an embarrassing stat for the Academy of no best picture uh, nominees directed by women. Uh, now they still ended up having no women director nominees, but they were still able to avoid that stat and I'm happy for that film. But Babylon was definitely a movie that was on the edge. It, it, I'm not surprised it didn't get in. Yeah, Luis Mendez joining us. I always try to pick out, you know, the Oscars always get this reputation of, well, they'll take a movie that nobody's actually seen. I don't think any of these are too out of the world, but there's a couple that folks probably aren't as familiar with. The surprise here is probably Triangle of Sadness. That's a movie that was very divisive amongst critics. And then Tar, which was getting a lot of talk for Best Actress. We'll talk about that in a minute. Folks are probably surprised that it got a Best Picture, though. And Elvis got a Best Picture. Now, of course, Austin Butler is, you know, in there for Best Actor. But that's another one because Bass can be really diverse on people either loving or hating him. Those are probably the three surprises on that list. Well, I got to tell you, I actually think two of those should not be considered surprises, uh, Elvis and Tar, because everything that I was seeing and hearing told me they were going to get in. Uh, the screenings for Elvis have been nuts, like sold out Academy screenings. People want to see this movie. I People love are, it. And I'm oh, not a Baz Luhrmann guy, but I thought it was it, it, you couldn't go in. We talked about it when we covered the movie. You couldn't go in thinking biopic. You go in thinking superhero musical, and that's what you yeah. get. I thought it was a great movie, though, and I'm not the biggest Baz fan, but I thought it was really good. I mean, it's kind of divisive among cinephiles, but it was in my top 25. I've, I've seen the movie twice now. I think if you're going to do a biopic, the typical cradle to grave biopic, do something new with it, and Baz definitely did something new with it. Uh, Tar is sort of like the female version of there will be blood where you're not following a good person uh you're you're basically kind of it's kind of a character study um and kate blanchett delivers a performance that is arguably the female version of daniel day lewis doing their uh in there will be blood so that was a huge critical darling it's one of my favorite movies of the year i i got spoiled this year a lot of my favorites got recognition this year Whereas last year, uh, not so much. But um, and then Triangle Sadness is a surprise, even though it was constantly a bubble film. That was the Cannes Film Festival winner. I personally am kind. It, it's my least. It's my personal least favorite of the nominees. But that is a movie that was a big hit with a lot of people. It's 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 a it's a satire. It's got that sort of eat the rich stuff that some people eat up. Um, and I'm not surprised that it got in, uh, but I'm not, well, I should say I'm surprised it got in, but I'm not shocked because it was always a bubble film. It was always right there. Yeah. Louis Mendez joining us. Let's talk directing. Is Spielberg doing a movie about himself becoming a director going to help or hurt him here? Do you think? Well, on paper, he should be the favorite. The problem is that these two dudes who made uh, a movie that has become one of the biggest surprises of the year have come along in the Daniels, who, by the way, are only the third duo in history 
to get a Best Director nomination. They joined, um, excuse me, the fourth duo. Uh, they joined the directors of the original West Side Story, uh, Warren Betty, and another director, who unfortunately his name I can't remember for heaven, can't wait, and of course the Coens. Um, they've kind of come along and ended up becoming the big critic favorite. They've won everywhere except the Golden Globes. Spielberg won at the Globes. The problem is, the Golden Globes has a very mixed record of matching with the Oscars, and there is a possibility that DGA will tell us if Spielberg can't win at DGA, he I don't think he's winning director at the Oscars because DGA is the director's guild, and if they don't vote for Spielberg, I don't see him uh, winning at the Oscars. And he's already got a big hit that he didn't get a director nomination at BAFTA, which is a bad sign. Um, but uh, he is definitely the favorite, but in hindsight, we may look back and see that the Globes was just the Globes being the Globes, and that it, the, this entire time it was the Daniels. After all, after all, they did direct the movie that has the most nominations. Yeah, let me tell you my pick for director. And again, I'm the I'm the Philistine. You're the cinephile here. I've made no you know bones about my two favorite movies of this year. It was Top Gun Maverick, and it was Banshees. I think Martin McDonough would be my director pick here. Now, here's one of those insider things, and you can explain it. They've got four actors and actresses up for awards already. It would really be something for something that's seen as an actor-carried movie, but I thought this movie and the directing of this movie, the way the landscape is very much a character of this movie, the, the pub that's at the center of it, they actually built it on location because they wanted the location first. That was all built from scratch. I think he's going to get penalized because there's such good acting in this movie, but you don't get good acting without good directing. I, I think he really accomplished something with this film, even if he doesn't win, but that would be my pick. Well, he, he also suffers from the infamous thing that the director's branch is very, uh, they're very hesitant to award people who are writers or actors turned directors. And Madonna did start out as a writer um, I don't think he's got a shot at director, but I do think he is definitely in play for screenplay. But again, like Spielberg, the problem McDonough faces is that these two dudes have come out of nowhere into Daniels and made a movie that is so original that it could just end up costing him. And and, and the thing is that if, if everything everywhere wants does not exist, Banshees is the critic pick. Banshees is the movie that's sweeping everything. And Banshees is right there in it. Now, I love Banshees myself, but I, the thing that is holding me back from believing it can win on a preferential ballot is that it's got audience scores that remind me of The Power of the Dog, where I don't feel this way, but there I know a lot of people out there who feel that the movie is depressing and that, and that they walk away from it kind of feeling down. Now, it's a dark comedy, um, I don't personally feel depressed by the movie, but you can't ignore that when you're thinking about what does well in a preferential ballot. So even though the movie is right there with everything everywhere, and, and if you look at all the stats of what do you want to hit if you want to win Best Picture, it really does seem to be everything everywhere versus Banshees. Everything everywhere has that crowd-pleasing uh, thing on its in its favor, but it might also be a little too weird for some of the older voters but then you have Banshees, which maybe might be too depressing for some voters. So it's going to be interesting to see, which is why that sets up the potential for a dark horse that buses all the stats 
which could end up being Top Gun Maverick. And, and we'll talk about screenplay because that was a big show for it there. But yeah, McDonough, McDonough, I, I love his directing as well, but he's 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 got a big climb. Yeah, I think the two Daniels get the best director here and maybe Spielberg on the sentimentality. We'll see how that one shakes out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Luis Mendez joining us. Okay, best actor. This is where the surprises start rolling in. Big day for Ireland here. I'd never heard of After Sun until this morning. I'm not even going to lie about it. I had to go Google this thing, and there it is. Paul Mescal. Who is this guy, and how did he get into Brendan Fraser's category here? Well, it's so After Sun is a small A24 movie. It's it's sort of this big darling among the super, super niche cinephiles. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that it's their favorite movie of the year. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. Well, a lot of people in that niche group say it's their favorite movie of the year. Uh, personally, I actually uh, I like the movie, but I did not love it. I actually think it's arguably the most overrated film of the year, uh, which would get me torches in certain places if I said that out loud. Uh, but Paul Mescal is a young uh, up-and-comer. Uh, he's I, um Irish actor. Lots of praises for his performance in the movie, and it, this could end up being the breakout role for him where we start to see him show up in future uh, Oscars. But it is a very small movie. Don't feel bad about not hearing about it. I barely knew about it until the end of the year when they sent me a screener. Yeah, Lewis Mendes joining us. Uh, the, the real story in this category, though, is, is Brendan Fraser going wire to wire with this? I'm starting to have doubts because this movie didn't get into picture, and that is a big red flag because traditionally actor tends to match with uh, best picture nominee. He's he's in it though. He's in it, but he's going up against Colin Farrell, who is the lead actor in a movie that is currently a top two contender to win best picture. And then there's a young guy by the name of Austin Butler that has had arguably the breakout role of the year playing Elvis and they love 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 people playing peep uh peep uh, you know historical figures and he has an incredible performance that reminds me a lot of sort of Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody and if this movie as sh and this movie showed up elsewhere uh big time uh, I think that it could end up being Austin Butler but if, if Brendan Fraser is going to pull this off and become the first, I think it will be the first time since 2010 that it would be a non-Best Picture nominee winning Best Actor. He's really going to have to show up and get a big win at SAG. What helps Fraser at the moment and, and feels like he's kind of climbing is that he gave this incredible speech at the Critics' Choice Awards 
and that could speeches matter what because it, it gets those narratives going and voters start getting behind you so that helps and that he's got an incredible narrative uh but it's going to be tough for him because there are two contenders right there with him who have best picture nominees there uh lewis mendez joining us um here we go again for best actor supporting row. Fancies gets two in there, which was surprising. And then um, the other one, here's another surprise. One of the few misses you had on yours. We're going to link to your ordinary times. So everybody can see how you did. You really did well here, by the way, my friend. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. Here you go again. I had to go Google it. I'd never even heard of this picture. And here he is in a supporting role best actor nomination nod. Yeah, one of my favorite, you know, usually I, I don't mind getting stuff wrong, but if I'm going to get stuff wrong, I'm, I want it to be something I'm happy for. And I am so happy for Brian Tyree Henry because he was in my personal five for the critics groups that I voted in. He's a part of Cosplay where he delivers a really great uh, performance. As a, as, as, it's a very muted one, which is why it's interesting that he got in because usually they're like showy performances. Cosway is available on Apple TV Plus. It came out sort of towards the end of the season. I think it's one of the more underrated films of the year. It ended up coming pretty close to making my top 25. Um, it's an interesting character drama about a, a veteran uh, dealing with PTSD and having to overcome that. And uh, Brian Tyree Henry does one of the best performances of the year, if you ask me. So I'm very happy for him to get in. Uh, he again. He was in my personal five. I'm not. I'm surprised, but not shocked he got in because I did have him as a bubble guy right there. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a big surprise because a lot of people thought it was going to be Eddie Redmayne for the Good Nurse, but it looks like he ended up just coming up short. Um, but for when it comes to supporting actor, the big story is Kihi Kwan from Everything Everywhere, who literally has broken the record for critic sweeps of victories of any category ever this dude cannot lose he is winning supporting actor at some of the most snobbiest highbrow critics organizations that you will know this dude is just dominating and i'm so happy for him because this guy is basically told that he can't be involved in acting anymore because he's asian so he ends up just doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. 30 plus years later, decides to get back into acting after he saw Michelle Yeoh in Crazy Rich Asians. Comes back, and the first movie that he does with Michelle Yeoh there is, is going to probably lead to him actually winning a freaking Oscar. This is, it's, it's one of the most insane stories of the season. So, I mean, he is easily probably the biggest lock out of all the acting uh, contenders. There's a great video online. I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes. But uh, Brendan Fraser and him sitting at one of these roundtable pre-Oscar things. And they cracked the joke. It's like, well, we should have been nominated together for Encino Man all those years ago. Of course, quite, he's short round from Indiana Jones for people my age. That's what he was known. And then he just disappeared. He got kind of labeled that child actor thing and the Asian thing and didn't act. It's such a cool story. I'm kind of hoping he wins. Uh, let's move on to the ladies. Uh, Luis Mendez joining us. We're talking Oscar nominations. Best actress. Here's you another one. You keep talking about this over and over again. You say it's a toss up between the top two, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yao. 
usually when it's a toss up between the top two, there's that potential for somebody else to sneak in and snag one. Is one of the favorites going to do it or is that going to happen here? I think it's going to be one of the favorites because the issue is that, first of all, statistically, the biggest upset that we got uh, to this morning is Andrew Riceborough getting in for to Leslie, who literally last second had a grassroots campaign. This woman has not shown up anywhere. A lot of people forgot this movie even existed. I had to Google it. Here's and, another one. <laughs> and she literally got in last second through a word of mouth campaign. As I, I guarantee she was probably the fifth person who barely snuck in there. Now, there is going to be some controversy as to why two incredible black actress performances from Viola Davis and Daniel Deadwider didn't get in. And meanwhile, actress kind of pushed this white actress in a movie nobody saw in. I think there's going to be a little bit of backlash to that, which is probably going to help Angela Bassett over in supporting actress. But when you look at the who's going up against Kate and um, and Michelle, it's it seems like with all due respect, sort of also rants where the nomination is the win. I don't see a situation like the the infamous thing that happened in 1951 when it was uh, Betty Davis versus um, uh, oh shoot, I forgot the the woman who played uh, Norma Desmond, um, and and it, they ended up splitting the vote. And it ended up leading to a big upsetting actress. I think this really does come down to Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. I think it's Kate Blanchett's to lose at the moment, but Michelle Yeoh is right there nipping at her heels. And if everything everywhere ends up having a big night, I can see her coming along for the ride. Now let me see you go off like a bomb. joining us you just mentioned it let's just go ahead and talk about it best supporting actress i got it the popular people's vote here is going to be angela bassett for a lot of reasons one is she's just awesome and everybody loves her and she's been criminally underused in her career in my opinion although some of that's her picking her spots it's been a long time since she's been up at the podium she's wonderful you know, there's all the stuff with Black Panther, Wakandia Forever. There's all that emotion behind it. That's all going to get channeled towards Angela Bassett in addition to her performance. Is it going to be enough, though? Because you've got two from everything, everywhere, all at once in the same category. You got um, the whales back in there and Carrie Condon, who was awesome in Ban- Banshees, doesn't work without her. She's the pivot that makes that whole male driven angst fun ride of dark comedy work. And again, I love that movie. Is Angela Bassett the favorite? Is she going to win it? She is the favorite. The problem that Angela Bassett is going to have to deal with, though, is that she doesn't have a Best Picture nominated film. And the question is, can she win at BAFTA? Because BAFTA, BAFTA makes the Academy look like the People's Choice Awards. They, you, there's a reason Top Gun, Maverick, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever didn't show up as much at BAFTA. But the fact that she still showed up at BAFTA could end up being a good sign. Also, she's got the narrative. This woman, this is only her second Oscar nomination, and the last was like 30, almost 30 years ago or something like that for um, the uh, the Tina Turner film. And um, I, I just, I, 
I think that what's in her favor is the narrative and the fact that now we've saw two major contending black actresses missing lead actress. I think just you're going to see this imperative of we got to award Angela Bassett so we can get a woman of color an Oscar. And she, by the way, is the first ever MCU acting nominee ever. And it would be very interesting to see if the MCU, at a time that the industry doesn't have the greatest relationship with it, still manages to pull off a supporting actress Oscar with. But because I do think she's favored at SAG, and then if she wins at BAFTA, I, I don't see anybody beating her. But if anyone's going to beat her, I think it's Carrie Condon because she is in a top tier best picture contender. She's probably the favorite at BAFTA, given the you know the bias of uh, BAFTA being British, and that everything everywhere ladies are going to split the vote. So um, I, I, it it does look like it, she's the favorite, but I wouldn't call her a lock like Kihi Kwan looks like. It would be funny if Carrie gets the one Oscar for Banshee out of the bunch. When you kind of look at how this all shakes out. In a male-driven movie, that would be really funny, but it's you can kind of see a path for that happening here. And, and, and it would actually match with recent trends where the supporting actress winner is that movie's lone win. Like if Banshee just ends up not getting anything else but she wins, that actually matches with recent trends for supporting actress. Yeah, and again, I love that movie. That movie don't work without her performance. That's that's the fulcrum of that whole thing. She she's the touchstone that keeps it from going off kilter. So it's not that it's not deserved. It's just going to be a little unexpected. Let's talk. Um, Luis Mendez joining us. Mendez movie report talking the Oscars. Let's talk technical stuff. This is I rarely get upset by these nominations. I rarely pay attention to them. I'd rather just let you tell me and I repeat what you say and then I look smart, right? Apparently, I don't understand what the term cinematography means because. If Top Gun Maverick does not get it, forget a nomination. That's the most cinematography film I've seen in my lifetime, probably. Like, do I not understand what? And I know they got a visual effects, whatever, whatever. What? Wait, didn't even get a nomination for it? Like, do I not understand what that word means? This, this is outrageous to me. This, And I know it's the Oscars and it's silly and they got their technical stuff. But I think cinematography... I mean, that's like top, top cinematography I've seen in my entire life. How did that not get a nomination? Yeah, actually, statistically, next to Andrew Riceboro sneaking into actress, this is the biggest shock of the morning because Top Gun Maverick cinematography has been sweeping the critics' organization. Both critics groups that I voted for, we both, both of them voted. Well, no, well, one, I want to say one of them voted for Top Gun Maverick for cinematography. The other, it was the runner-up to the Batman, which also was snubbed for cinematography, which is crazy to me as well. Top Gun Maverick, it's interesting because it, it doesn't feel like a lot of it's a lot of critics' personal number one in cinematography, but it's the one that, as a consensus, they definitely agreed on as among the best. And that's why I think you saw it sweeping across the board. This was supposed to be the favorite to get the Oscar for cinematography, and it didn't even get in. Now, that makes me think that All Quiet on the Western Front is going to sneak in and get the cinematography award instead. But considering that Top Gun is the favorite in sound, I believe that it's now the favorite in editing, even over everything everywhere. It's ridiculous to me that it didn't get into cinematography. It is next. If it wasn't for Andrew Riceboro, this would be the biggest surprise of the morning that a lot of us who try to predict this thing. 
So I'm not off base and being like, what in the world? Yep. Here's the other thing is, and I've, I've seen a couple of people already write about this. The Academy is a little self-aware and they are still snobby. Is this the payback for giving them the best picture nomination? I don't think so because again, this is this is cinematography that was showing up everywhere, including the guilds. What I think is a possibility that happened is that because cinematography was a really stacked race this year, but I think what may have happened is that everybody it's it's this thing that you gotta be careful for these favorites. Everybody assumes it's gonna get in, so they try to vote in other things they're passionate about, and that's how you end up with surprises like this. Uh, Luis Mendez, our critic. Okay, I'm going to be a Philistine again. Some of this is going to be unfair criticism. I'll admit it because I'm not the insider that you are, so you explain it to me, though. We have things like we just went through cinematography. Okay, cinematography is kind of a wide burst because we, you know, there's digital now. There's a lot. I, I understand that's got a spectrum to it. Visual effects, that's an even wider spectrum. That's got a lot of give to it, right? Here's Which, my by question. the way, visual effects is an absolute lock. Everybody already knows Avatar is going to win that. And I'm okay with that as visual effects. I wouldn't give, this is me, Philistine, you're the expert, you explain. I wouldn't give Avatar a cinematography nod because it's not cinematography. It's more like animation. And I know we're going to keep animation to it. So animation's its own debate at the Academy right now, and I understand that. Like the we'll talk about Pinocchio in a minute. They spent like three years doing stop motion for that thing. Is that really still animation at that point? You can debate these things. Avatar, as brilliant visually as it is, that's not cinematography to me. That's more animation and computer than making a movie. And I know this gets into niche stuff and what you just call it and things like that. But that's why I get a little under the collar with the Top Gun thing. I was like, they went out and shot that thing live with very little CGI. Avatars all CGI. Do the categories accurately express what we're doing in movie making right now? Because it kind of feels like, look, visual effects, absolutely Avatar wins. It's a visual effect. Do we need to kind of maybe modify some of these? Because it doesn't seem like they're keeping up with the kind of movies we're actually making now. Well, well, you put me in an uncomfortable position because uh, Avatar actually had my favorite cinematography of the year, uh, even though I did have Top Gun in my ballot. Granted, but you understand my point. They're not pulling. They're not pointing a camera at a landscape and lining up the light, which is what kind of traditionally cinematography is. They're they're doing, and I and I understand the technology, I and I, I marvel at it. But you see where I'm coming from with it, and maybe I'm just a knuckle dragging philistine here. But it, that's a whole different discipline than the movie making we've seen for the last hundred years. Well, I, th I think what you're saying, is, which I think is a valid argument to make regarding the fact that it's all basically digital and, and, and well, not necessarily all digital, but in terms of like, you know, it's motion capture and stuff like that. But they, I think what helps Avatar is that they literally did go down in the water and film stuff underwater with the motion capture stuff, which is with some new technology. I think the narrative behind that helps that movie a lot, uh, which I would expect from James Cameron because James Cameron is, you know, a, I, I believe he actually is a full-blown like marine biologist or something like that. Um, so I think that's what helps it in the same way that having the, uh, the cameras on the plane help Top Gun Maverick. Um, but I... I, again, look, I, I I do think Avatar deserves a spot in cinematography, but this this snub of Top Gun Mavericks does upset me as well because I do think it was one of the best cinematography of the year. And by the way, the Batman isn't in here either, which I also thought had some of the best cinematography of the year. Uh, so it's a bit frustrating. But I think now 
it's going to be another military movies uh, award to lose. I think All Quiet on the Western Front has now much as the favorite in cinematography. Luis Mendez. All right, let's put a bow on this. The Oscars are coming. Uh, of course, everything, everywhere, all at once is now the favorite. They've got 11 nods, so they're probably not going to get into the double-digit, you know, clean sweep category of the Oscars. Let's put the over-under. Let's call it eight. Eight wins over-under. Under. Because okay. even even movies that have a lot of good, a lot of nominations and still go on to win picture and everything – even they in this era get like four or less wins because it, we are in an era where you're seeing voters spread the love more than they did in the old days where whatever had the most nominations was probably going to sweep a lot of awards. All right, let's just run through the list real quick here. All Quiet on the Western Front and Banshees both had nine nominations each. How many? And Banshees, half of those are for acting, which is really remarkable. Tells you what quality this film was. Uh, how many nods do you think both of those get with nine nominations each? Definitely under. Uh, I think All Quiet is going to have a shot to split text with Top Gun and Avatar. Uh, Banshees, Banshees is the problem that it keeps being the number two at the moment to a lot of things. So I would say that unless Banshee suddenly becomes the front runner for picture, it maybe only escapes with one or two wins. Uh, Elvis has eight nominations. Obviously, Austin Butler is the one everybody's going to really be paying attention to. It's also up for a lot of design type of technical awards. How many do you think, and does Butler sneak in with a best actor? It's all about Butler. He is the that film's biggest chance at Oscars. And if he wins, I guarantee you makeup's going to come along with him. All right. Good point. Uh, Fablemans, of course, this is Steven Spielberg being Steven Spielberg to a certain extent. They're up with seven. Yeah, This all it, hinges on best, best director, right? If he yeah, wins best director, they'll get a couple more somewhere in there. It, Fablemans is all hinges on Spielberg and if he's enough because that movie has been fading of late and there's been stories that Academy voters don't like it as much as we thought they would uh, but it, the, Spielberg is that movie's best shot if you start to see that Spielberg can't even win at DGA there is a possibility Fablemans gets nothing Wow, really? Okay, Tar and Top Gun Maverick both got six. Tar's kind of that same situation as Go Cake Blanche is probably how the movie goes. Yes, it's all about Kate. It's, it's also a dark horse for director, I should say, since we brought that up. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I, he's not going to win director as much as I like Todd Fields directing in that movie. But uh, Kate is basically Daniel Day losing There Will Be Blood. It's basically all about her and if she can win. Um, in terms of Top Gun, for Top Gun, it's all about how many texts can it win? And does it have an outside shot at winning that adaptive screenplay? Because adaptive screenplay tends to go to a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, and those that's probably why those got coupled together. Black Panther, here we go again. Angela Bassett. Look, I love Angela Bassett. She's been a favorite for years and years and years. I'm great if she gets another Oscar. I would love to see it. If that happens, they'll probably pick up some more, yeah. It's all about Angela Bassett. I mean, the movie does have a chance at a couple of texts, particularly costume design, 
but it is all about Angela Bassett, and she is that movie's chances. All right, finally, Luis Mendez, Mendez Movie Report, our expert, your favorite Oscar category. Who's winning best song? <laughs> uh, I really hope it's not too not too from RRR that where it finally showed up somewhere, and that performance at the Oscars is going to be so much fun to see. I'm going to go with not to not to, but keep an eye on hold. Uh, what's it called? Hold my hand from uh, uh, Lady Gaga from Top Gun Maverick. That is a move. That is the song that has been right there with it. I got a I got a bad feeling about the song category. I'm getting Phil Collins kind of vibes about sneaking in with a with a very generic. I'm getting a bad feeling about best song category, buddy. I'm just telling you, I'm good with both of those. I think those are both winners. Look, my family's got to hold my hand on repeat right now because we all love Top Gun and my kids all love Lady Gaga. I got a sneaking suspicion though, man. I'm just a little worried about how that nomination shook out. Well, so what you so which is the one that you're scared of? Uh, the Black Panther song. I'm a little worried about the back lift me up sneaking in there. Not that it's not a great, great song. It's it's a good song. Yeah. It man, it, it feels like that Phil Collins Oscar. It's just gonna it's that catchy pop song is gonna sneak in there and everybody's gonna be like, wait, wait, how'd that win? Well, if, if anybody's watching the ceremony, if everything everywhere actually pulls off best song, it's gonna win picture, but because there's no way it should be winning best song. This it's literally snuck in there. So I, at the very least, we'll know that if it wins best song. I love me some Rihanna, but like she can't have the Super Bowl and an Oscar within a month or two, three weeks of each other. That's not fair. Can't do that. And, and, and I got to tell you, that's some good campaigning right there for her, too. She's going to be at the Super Bowl before they start voting. <laughs> you want to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. It might be her this year. Luis Mendez, let folks know where they can follow you. The Substack's great. He writes at Ordinary Times. We're going to be doing this again when it comes Oscar time. We'll see how we'll do. Buddy, let folks know how they can follow you and keep up with you until we see you again, my friend. Uh, MentisMovieReport.substack.com. Get all my thoughts and Oscar predictions there as well. Um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if you got Letterbox, if you, anyone's on Hive Social, Mendes Movie RPT. I'm all, everywhere there. And the YouTube is coming. I've already, I know I've been saying for months it's coming, but it is coming. And it's, I've got a plan to do a best picture series looking at all the best picture races going all the way back to the very first Oscars when it was Wings versus Seventh Heaven. We need to do an episode on your early work too, because I'm going to talk Metropolis some with you and some of those early works, folks, because a lot of those are public domain now. They've started to where you can actually just watch them on YouTube. We need to do a whole episode on that, some first, history first. of cinema. First ever Best Picture winner is now officially public domain. Isn't that amazing? It's good stuff. We'll do a whole episode on that, man. Remind me. Luis Mendez, appreciate the time, buddy. Try to recover from your busy morning of enjoying yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. I love being here every time I get the chance. Anytime, sir. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones 
who get it done. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you.